Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaos. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. I'm going to be looking in the shadows, basically looking for the thing that was outside my mom's window. Grab a napkin, uh, hold it to my face to stop the bleeding. Of course I have my gun. I don't know if it's going to do much good against, um... Dust? Probably not, but you know, I don't know what else to use at this point. I think you upset something with whatever you did in his room. Thank you for joining us again on the Old Ways Podcast. This is Michael Diamond. I am your keeper for the evening, and we have assembled a crew of investigators for our continuing exploration of Masks of Neil Arthotep. And I will just start out with introductions uh, to my right. This is Morgan. I played Lillian Lane, and apparently I have forgotten where I am in the seating arrangement. Yes, yes. Our virtual table has uh, altered a little bit, and now you are quote-unquote first chair. Congratulations. To her right. Uh, this is Jake. I'm playing Jack Doyle, and uh, I guess I'm just sleeping in this morning. Yeah, you were a little sleepy. You had a little bit of uh, what we call the hooch, so to speak, with your friend Steve Masterson. Mm-hmm. And after a rousing bottle or so, and after your uh, in- attempted and somewhat fumbled attempt at breaking into the ship's hold, you decided to sleep it off in your stateroom. And boy, won't you be surprised when you wake up. <laughs> to uh, to his right. This is James. I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach. And uh, today, I guess I'm playing the investigator. Yeah, quite right. Quite right. Uh, and last but most certainly not least. Tiffany, I am playing Maeve O'Shea, and we're going to have some fun. It is going to be an exciting one for sure. Okay, so as we lift the curtain tonight, we are going to begin uh, where we left off, which is the two of our investigators. So Miss O'Shea and the doctor are poised to open the door to the doctor's stateroom and exit out into the first class hallway. Uh, Between them are their two powerful stones that Mr. Forsyth had given each one of them. And then connecting the two are a line of this black powdery dust they'd picked up. And so there is this almost swirling uh, feeling. There's a a bit of a, a, a whirl in the, as if air is moving in and around these two stones to hold up the dust. So I will start there. Are we ready, Miss O'Shea? Let's uh, see where this leads us. To open the door. After you, my dear. Go right ahead. Between the two of you, who has the lower luck score? My luck is 47. Your luck is 48 currently, as I have it tracked. That is correct, 48. So she's got me, I've got her beat by one. That would be the lower of the two luck scores then would be Miss O'Shea. If you mm-hmm. would just like to make a luck roll for me, if you would. All right. Success. You are lucky indeed. 37 out of 47. You step out into the hallway. And when you step out into that hallway, uh, there is no one else waiting there. It is an empty hallway. Good. Because um, hopefully we won't have to like try and explain this to somebody. And that does that does cross your mind. Uh, so the two of you exit the stateroom. Sigmund, you see the same thing. You see that no one is uh, blocking your path uh, to which way this thing is pointing. It's not pointing. It, it seems to be pointing in a direction uh, that you came from earlier. Thunderbar. Begin to follow it um, carefully because I don't want to lose any of the any of the smoky powder in between. So we're heading to the uh, dining hall then, correct? 
Yeah, that's correct. Uh, you're heading that way. So okay. you continue down the hallway. You take a sharp left as it uh, begins to weave back towards the end of the ship. And then you see this dust trail make a quick right. And when it makes a quick right, you're standing in front of Forsyth's bedroom, like his stateroom door. Okay. Well, then I guess we'll uh, slowly open the door. Okay. Um, it's locked. Oh. As I had mentioned in a previous episode, right. the uh, crew locked his room because of the because he's missing. Right. Shite. Do we know anyone who can un- undo a lock? Uh, do we know somebody who can undo a lock? Big grid. <laughs> let's go wake him up. Yeah, let's go find him. You walk on down. Now, my question is: Are you are you continuing to walk in the same pattern you were walking before so you can hold the stones close together or have you scuttled that for the moment to go knock on next door how about I'll stand here and hold the stones so that they're pointing at his room and you go get Jack a fabulous idea that is the way we should do it here you go Uh, make a power roll James okie doke Oh, 94 over 65. Hold on. I have a something about a power roll skill. Uh, my One of my pulp abilities involves a power roll. Yeah. You have an ability on your character that allows you to re-roll power rolls. So you're advantaged on power rolls. It's uh, your pulp ability, so you can roll it again. I will go with the extreme success of 13 under 65, sir. That sounds like an excellent idea. You don't so much release the stone freely. You don't just drop it into her her open palm. When you hand over the stone to her, you you end up almost clutching her hand as if you're trying to hold on for dear life. Um, because this stone suddenly has an amazing amount of sentimental value to you. It, it reminds you of your connection with her. It reminds you of your connection with Mr. Forsyth. You can't remember the last time you've let it out of your sight. And so you are nearly overcome with those raw emotions that they, they splash over you. You are able, though, to release the stone and take your hand away. But there is a moment the both of you share in that regard. Dude, be very careful with it. It is quite precious to me. I will keep it safe. Then double time down to Jack's room as quickly as I can hobble. Yeah, you hobble down fairly quickly. You can feel yourself gulping air to try to push the growing bubble of panic in your stomach back down. Uh, You get to Jack's door. Knock on it soundly. Through the, the mist of um, dreams, perhaps uh, alcohol-induced dreams, Jack, there is a a pounding on the side of the ship, and you are fairly certain that you are being shelled. It isn't until a few moments later that you realize that someone is knocking your your door. Okay, yeah. um, I stumble to the door blearily. Open it up. Guten Morgen, Jack. Doctor, why why are you knocking my door so early? We have need of your help, young man. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's not that early, Jack. Really late night. Um, I'm sorry. I'll give you a... M- what can I do for you? He just... Doctor gestures down towards Maeve. We have need of your help to get into Mr. Forsyth's room to conduct our investigation. Well, just give me a second to uh, make myself presentable. Pants. Jack, put on some pants, please. Okay. Cleaned up a little bit, get dressed. You have to get my tools. Doesn't take you. I mean, you're someone who has a ton of experience working less than two minutes to get prepared for something. So, mm-hmm. alcohol or not, once your brain tells your muscles, we got to move, body responds. A couple of minutes later, Jack is probably stuffing his shirt and cinching up his belt as he's, you know, firing himself back down the hallway towards you guys. 
I, uh, yeah, I head back down to my, uh, the earliest convenience I head back down to retrieve my stone from Maeve. So, so Shay, you have in your hands two very polar opposites. In your left hand, your stone is, is warm and inviting, and this right hand is cold. It is not uninviting or repelling, but it is very much not your... It doesn't feel like yours. It feels like it feels almost as if you've taken a prized possession of a family member or a, I would say like a brother or sister, but obviously Maeve's an only child. But so it feels like you've taken somebody else's prized possession and you're holding on to it and you almost feel a little uncomfortable in that regard. Not a bad, just it, it's a strange feeling. Mm-hmm. I feel like you should have it. You should. It, it's not for you. Yeah, I'm just going to keep looking down the hall to see how quickly he's coming. I would say the doctor's probably down on that end of the hallway for maybe a minute or so. And then after that, you see him kind of using his cane to amble his way back up towards you. Okay. Gently take the stone back from her when, when I get back, but eagerly. Yeah, releasing it for you, Miss O'Shea, is not hard at all. Yeah. There's no, there's no role required. Doctor, there's no better feeling than feeling like you've got a trusted family member's heirloom back in your possession. It feels, the world feels right again. Hold on tight to it and smile or re-examine the, the floating essence between the two stones. Yeah, it starts back up again. Once the, the two of you physically separate just a little bit, you see that fork symbol, that almost, um, almost that chevron type symbol between the two of you. I'm still speaking as if Jack is right behind me, knowing probably full well that he's not. <laughs> you see, Jack, we have found an interesting way to, uh, we believe, to find Mr. Forsyth. So we need to get in Forsyth's room? Please. All right. I found something interesting out last night. I will start talking as I'm working. What did you find? You know that scent that uh, was with that um, cloud the, uh, last night? The jasmine smell? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I filed it to a, a locked area in the uh, steerage. Hmm. Well, what you might want to know is that uh, I have figured out what spell that came from. Hard success, 2156. Yeah? Yeah, it's a transform self spell. Transform self? Yeah. Imply that uh, Forsyth himself cast it, right? It would, however... I think it's not that simple, obviously, because as far as I can tell, he doesn't know anything about any of that. Yeah, he is fairly um, not just, I wouldn't say a Luddite in the way that of those workings, but the experiences that you've had around those um, heavy occultic, I wouldn't even call them those the mysterious nature of existence. He is almost repelled by it. Like he, he does not want anything to do with it. He does not want to be around it. Uh, it it's almost as if he, he has a phobia. Hmm. Jack, you make pretty quick work of the lock here on this stateroom. It's not even difficult. You wish this was the same kind of lock that they put on the hold. Yeah, that would have been a lot nicer. You open up the door. Masterfully done, Mr. Doyle. All right, so if we walk in, does it go straight to his bed? It does, actually. It goes directly to the bed. And even if you move it left or right of the bed or vertically uh, or even diagonally, it continues to point basically at the bottom part of his pillow where his, you know, where his main chest or main body would have presumably have been. Hmm. Anybody shutting the door? Just up, just wondering. Yeah. What do you think, Mr. Doyle? Well, again, I don't know a lot about this stuff either, but is there some way that somebody could have cast it on him? Like a modified version of it? It's a possibility, I would suppose. Like, if somebody... Because it's almost like he's here, but not here, if that makes sense. Kinda. It's <laughs> completely clear. Like, maybe he's not in a realm that we can see him. So he is nearby. 
Right. So I'm thinking I'm probably going to have to do more studying and see if I can find more out because I found it in one of my books. So if I read more about the book because I made some links to other things, maybe I can figure it out. Okay. Looking for anything specific? Yeah, there was a part I have a note that says under like the notes about the spell or whatever that it can project to different forms or different times so is there more to extrapolate on that you would imagine that the only real way to get into the meat and potatoes of what could possibly be done with the casting would be to prepare and cast a spell yourself oh okay doctor are you ready for an experiment? I am always ready for an experiment. Well, it looks like I'm going to have to get these ingredients and cast it myself. Wunderbar. I have been wanting to see one of these in, one of these spells done in action up close. Well, by someone who is not trying to kill us. <laughs> That's not exactly not possible. But, um, like, I wouldn't do it on purpose, but I can't guarantee how the spell's going to turn out. Um, I haven't cast anything this difficult, so... That does beg the question, to my recollection, and I could be wrong, I don't believe Mr. Shea's cast anything. No. I know how to. Theoretically, in theory. Yep, reading an instruction manual to a nuclear reactor is one thing. Operating is something totally different. Right. But I'm not going to tell him I've never done it. Right, no, I get it. That's your play, and that's totally your character. Okay, so I guess with that, is there anything else that the investigators are going to do inside the stateroom? I mean, they've been there. They they, They spent time here investigating every nook and cranny before. Is that something, given the solace that you have at the moment, are you going to go back over, or are you just going to get out while you can? No, I'm going to look and see if I can find any of the other ingredients in here that aren't burned, because obviously that's part of the spell, is to burn it or whatever. Um, I'm going to see if I can find like any dropped you know, things or anything like that. Go ahead and give me a spot hidden. What about you, Jack? I mean, we went over this pretty well. But, eh, you know, we can't hurt. Five out of 68. Okay. Jack, you're looking around and you're checking under the bed. You're checking in his cabinetry and whatnot, or the uh, the chest of drawers, as it were. And you stumble back over <laughs> Miss O'Shea. Uh, you don't, you, you move left when she moved right. And, uh, and you bounce off of the bed a little bit and you getting some of the residual dust on you. Yeah. Yeah, it has a really sour taste. Yeah, foresight dashed on me. Mr. Shea, you find something that you were not aware of at first. You did not first see it. So, as you are combing through the bed area, as you're kind of going right when Jack goes left, you find a very thin liquidy trail on the top rail of the headboard here. The headboard here in this room is a very nice brass uh, almost nautical type of headboard. Right? It has big brass tubes across the the top of it that run uh, uh, horizontally. Uh, And there is some sort of almost I think it, it appears a bit greasy you haven't, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying you've touched it, but uh, there is definitely a film. It's drawn in almost a perfectly straight line. What does it smell like? I mean, before I touch it, I want to lean in. And... It, it smells uh, aromatic. It's, it smells almost sandy. Uh, it smells like a bit of wood. There's a bit of a wood smell to it. And there is definitely also earthy tone. Okay, well, then I will touch some of it. It paints the tip of your finger uh, a dark brown. Is it like a slime? Is it sticky? Is it like oil? Uh, yeah, it's it's more like oil. It's not heavy like a grease. 
Okay. Uh, like some men would put in their hair in this uh, in this era. Right. It is definitely an oil. Like you could see, it has the same consistency as uh, olive oil. Okay. Doctor, can we get vial or something to test this liquid? It's like in a perfect straight line here. Come over here and look. I, we absolutely can. One moment. I'll be right there. So after she points this out, Jack, and you kind of recover from your your tumble, it's surprising that you didn't notice it before. But when you look at it in the, the, the angle that you, for the most part, had in this room at the time, it would have been covered because the oil itself seems to run on the seam of this specific headboard. So it's almost as if it's been tucked away behind there. Yeah, I'm thinking this may be how it was cast on somebody else. Well, in your experience, Jack, people don't grease their headboards. I mean, not normally. Yeah. wonder if there's anything else behind there. You'd have to move the whole bed if you wanted to look. I can help you scooch it. I'm going to collect a sample while they're doing that. While they're moving it, you're going to collect sample, or you're going to collect it and let them move it after? Collect it and move. let them move it after. Okay, I was going to say, that might be a little weird. Uh, okay, yeah, you collect the sample. Not one of you has decided to wake or to get Miss Lane. This is amazing. That's okay. Uh, why would we? She's sleeping. She's, she's sleeping. I'm too absorbed. It's all those dinners with Taft that's got you tuckered out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. So uh, you collect your uh, specimen, your sample there, Sigmund. Uh, you get a fair amount. I would say maybe a fourth an ounce. Not much uh, of the excess liquid is left. Wunderbar. Uh, tuck it back in my med- in my medical bag for now and let them move the bed. All right. Moving the bed's not hard. Jack, you're more than strong enough with Maeve's help to scoot the bed. Although you do, you're both surprised at how heavy this bed is. Well, they don't want it rolling around on a ship, you know. Makes sense. You move the bed. What what comes next? Yeah, look behind there and see if there's anything behind there. So both of you can make me another spot hidden roll. 56 out of 68. 18 out of 92. Mr. Doyle, that extreme success will do it. You, the back of the wall here, uh, which is, of course up against on this part of the ship would be up against the outer bulkhead. Obviously not the main lower part of the ship itself, but but the higher walls. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you see what you almost believe is a probably no uh, larger in diameter than a collection of safety pins. But there is a hole here at bed level. All the way through? Yeah, all the way through. You can actually see a bit of light Wow. It's not surgical by any means, okay? Okay. But it definitely does not look like someone drilled through it with a tool. Right. It, is it rusted or is it like actually uh, like punched through? Yeah, punched is probably a better descriptive term. Punched is probably better. From inside or the outside? This was definitely done from the outside. Just by the way it, uh, it moves, by the way the wall has been broken. Wow. I find this very disturbing. What's up? There's there's a hole in the bulkhead here. I mean, once he points it out, Maeve, you see exactly what he's looking. You have to you have to kneel down to really get a good look at it, but as he shows it to you, it's undeniable. Room is next to his. It it goes outside, right? Or does it go into the next room? Uh, actually, where the bed is positioned at, it goes to the outside. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Doctor, uh, get your stone. Let's see if that dust will go to that hole, and maybe the bed was stopping us before. Perhaps. But it's an interesting idea. Pull the stone out. Take my position back up. Should we wake up Miss Lane? This seems like another set of ice would be a good idea. Sure, but I don't know if we got time right now. I I want to know where this goes. You know what? You guys stay here and uh, I, I'll go get Miss Lane. Wunderbar. Miss O'Shea, let's see where this goes. 
Okay. Jack, you exit the room uh, and head down to get Miss Lane. So uh, we'll, we'll keep the camera with you. You approach her door and uh, yeah. Wrap on it. What time is it? Uh, it's about 1130. So you've had breakfast. You've had time to sit and relax and enjoy some simple pleasures like reading or looking over a London travel guide or something like that. I don't answer the door because I'm not there. No. Nice. <laughs> Just kidding. I come to the door and open it. Fully dressed for the day and all that jazz. Mr. Doyle? Miss Lane? Um, we would, uh, The rest of us would like your uh, presence. Spectacular. Where are we going? Mr. Forsyth's room. But know that that room has been locked. Do I even want to know how you got into that room? It was unlocked. Okay. I'm sure it was. All right, well, lead the way. I go with Mr. Doyle. Back in the room, uh, Miss O'Shea uh, and Sigmund, the two of you are going to attempt to douse which way he went? Yes. Absolutely. You put your stones together and you point them again, except something strange begins to happen. It points directly at the bed for a moment or two. Then the these little crystalline specks that have been left over from whatever was on the bed, they begin a rapid exit of that hole. Oh, crap. We got to follow that. Yeah. It's at that point you begin seeing the minute layer of dust left over on the bed begin to do the same thing. Hurry outside. Yeah, I'll run because I can run faster than the doctor. So I'm going to run as fast as I can to the other side if I can because I know I got to go down a hallway and outside. Okay, Jack, uh, you're about to get to the room when Miss O'Shea hits the door at full speed and she runs left. Like, no explanation. She's hustling. Um,. Go see if the doctor's in there. I'm going to follow Miss O'Shea. So I follow Miss O'Shea. You run after her. Um, Sigmund, I assume, is, is trying to keep up with Miss O'Shea as she bolts for the door. And probably by about the time Lillian gets to the front of Mr. Forsyth's room, there's, there's Sigmund, like Kane and all, trying to get out. Doing his best, yes. <laughs> Doctor, why don't you let me help you chase after Miss O'Shea? That would be greatly appreciated, Miss Lane. Thank you so much. I offer him my arm so you can you know, lean on that and use his cane. Wunderbar. All right, then now we go. To, uh, increase his speed. Miss O'Shea, you're not stopping for anything, I assume? No. I got to see where they're going. You get down the hallway. You make the first left. You get to the nearest stairwell. And I assume that your purpose then at that point is to get out to the deck to where you can see what's going on. Your feet um, do not fail you. And you hustle and hustle. But what I'd like from you is a dexterity roll to uh, filter your way through passengers and other people who are going to be in on the stairway. We know I'm going to fail, right? I mean... Ooh, 33 out of 65. See, she doesn't believe in herself. She said the same thing when I had her make the Cthulhu Mythos roll. She was like, I'm not going to make this. And then she got a hard <laughs> success. So that shows how much you know. Um, okay, so you go left and right around a couple of different passengers. Really nice, you know, well-to-do passengers. And you keep booking your way until you hit the outside... Uh, Jack, you're only a few steps behind her, uh, but this is not the way you wanted to burn off last night's uh, alcohol binge running through the ship. Seems like I do this kind of stuff a lot. The two of you get to a place on the ship where you can see the outside. And when you get there, what you see is a cloud. A small black kind of powdery cloud has formed outside the ship's wall like the wall of, of where Mr. Forsyth's room had been seems to have collected itself 
and it is now moving up and out uh, with the uh, with the force of the wind that's nearby, and it is moving up to kind of meld into one of the four smokestacks that could base the top of the Aquitania. And from there, it drifts up and into the sky. Bye. Sit down. Defeated. <sighs> that is not going to help us at all. I mean, we found out a couple of things. Okay. Anybody still looking at the sky itself? I assume you're still watching as it goes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, give me a hard spot hidden roll. Harder above is what I'm looking for. I just succeeded. No, no, I hard success. 23 out of 68. Okay. I'm huffing and puffing, so I probably don't see it. Yeah. You're uh, you're trying to collect yourself, Doctor. All this running business is just not for you. So uh, hard success for uh, Ms. O'Shea and hard success for Mr. Doyle, which makes sense because the two of them had the longest chance to look at it. The two of you notice that while it goes up and pairs with the smoke coming out of smokestack number two, it also, the cloud also seems to collect near the top of that smokestack and it clings to it. It's, it sits there. It does not continue up. You can definitely tell there's a slight coloration difference between the two. Do you think there would be something in the steam room? It's possible. I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching too far. But it seems weird that it's just hanging there. What are you talking about? The cloud is up there by the uh, top of the smokestack. Point it out, Sigmund. You can see it. Polish my glasses and take a look again. Ah, okay. I see what you're talking about. Could it be something they burned? Maybe. Maybe he's trying to tell us something. I don't know. Not a whole lot of this makes sense. Let me go back to my book and study. You guys maybe check out if you want to check out the steam room to see if there's anything that like, you know, smells particularly like the things we're looking for. Cedar, frankincense, jasmine. I'll pull out my book with my notes. <laughs> she goes through a laundry list. Yeah. I I think that uh, Jack had mentioned that there's Something going on in the hold that he just couldn't get to. Right. Is that near that? As far as the, the hold that you were in being near the engine room, it's not in that direction at all. I mean, it's likely that the hold and the engine room are relatively on the same level of the ship. They're not they're not functionally near each other at the at this point. Uh. The one that you were inspecting. Miss O'Shea, you said that the ingredients must be burned. In order to activate the spell? Only assuming that. I'll have to look at the spell again. Because I still have some studying to do on it. I'm only assuming that only because of the state of Forsyth's room. And the fact that you can smell those burnt fragrances. And yeah, we found burned agents. Like I said, I have I have more studying to do to be able to even begin to figure out what is needed and what could possibly be telling us what. Yeah, so just to give you an idea, the baggage area is probably a good 40 feet, 50 feet maybe, from the engine room. And that doesn't even account for the boilers themselves. You would be you would be pretty well away. Although the idea there though is that they would be roughly on the same level of the ship so you were in the right area you were just you know 40 or 50 feet away from being anywhere near the engine room uh -huh. and you as a military man who's gone overseas on ships before would would probably have a, a rough idea that uh, it's not likely that the crew is going to let you poke around the engine room yeah that would be one area no miss lane you can give me uh, an idea roll if you'd like Oh, I get a critical failure. Yes. Mm -hmm. 98 yep. out of 84. I apparently suck. None of this makes much sense. You should be able to just walk down. I mean, you're a first-class passenger. You should be able to just walk down there. I mean, you have cargo in the cargo hold. Why can't you check on your things? Like, that's the, that's the idea that she gets in her head. Well, you know, Miss Lane might actually make it happen. 
Well, I might make it in there, other than you. <laughs> um, I was thinking we could ask for a tour of the ship as well to try to get into the boiler room. That's where Jack was originally trying to get into before he got caught. So, do we want to head over there now or later? Or... I guess we could do it now. It's... Now would be good. I put off to later. Yeah, and I'll go study the um, spell some more, and maybe we can meet up after lunch or something. Or for lunch. Sounds good. All right. So the group splits. Yeah, bad idea. Boom, boom. I love it. It's great. I'm going to deal with uh, Jack and uh, Jack. What what uh, your plans are? Your What are going to be your uh, attempt? Th- this is uh, Lillian's show. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's fair. Go ahead and give it over to Lillian. I mean, you're not going to, you're going to be my assistant for this, Jack? You're going to be like, you know. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll tag along. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you're running it. It's going to be like, <laughs> pool boy. Come on, pool boy. <laughs> cabin right. boy. Oh, cabin boy. That's better. Are you coming too, doctor? I find it fascinating. I will come with you. Miss Lane, the floor is yours. Where are you taking your uh, two compatriots? Well, we, somebody wants to see the baggage room. Let's go to the baggage room. You march on down to uh, several, several uh, levels lower than you're used to being on. You pass quite a myriad of different passengers. All um, shapes, sizes, and social standing. Get down to near the... Uh, <laughs> what you probably believe is the uh, bottom of the vessel. And Jack, I'm assuming you're giving her some sort of pointers because she probably has no idea where to go. You see, begin to see signs for the cargo hold and you twist your way through the winding paths of the ship until you get into the, the hallway where the cargo hold is. And there's a couple of people, a couple of ship's crewmen who are in the, uh, in the area. Do they notice us? It's kind of hard not to notice three people walking towards the cargo hold. So, yeah. I wave one of them over. You, sir, I need to speak with you. Uh, yes, ma'am. Well, how can I help you? I'd like to get into the cargo hold to check on my things. Can you make that happen? Check on your things? Uh, I mean, uh, I don't. we don't open the hold normally, but I, I'm sure that uh, I could get uh, a deckhand here to help you. I, I work for the kitchen. I'm just uh, coming off shift. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, if you could find somebody to help us, that would be fantastic. Yes, uh, r- r- right away, ma'am, right away. And this um, younger lad kind of bounds down the hallway, and probably a good or so minutes later, uh, an o- a little bit older of a gentleman returns. He's got a thick sea beard, and he's got his uniform on. Uh, can I help you, ma'am? Yes. I would like to get into the cargo hold to check on my items. I have some fairly valuable items in there that I'd like to make sure are okay. Hmm. I'd be happy to uh, make sure that the, the bags are still in order. We don't allow passengers into the cargo hold, though. And why is that? Do you think I'm going to steal something? Do I look like I'm going to steal something out of the cargo hold? Oh, not at all. Not at all, ma'am. I, I don't mean any disrespect, of course, but... The cargo hold can be a dangerous place. There are all sorts of luggages and and packages that we're moving uh, across the Atlantic here. And I'd hate for something to happen to you while you were in there. It'd be my job. Do I look dainty? I promise it wouldn't be your job. The captain and I, he knows who I am. So I guess the question that I have as the keeper, Morgan, for you Mm -hmm. is, which um, social bludgeon are you going to attempt to use against him? <laughs> as in, what am I rolling? I mean, so far you've played it a bit as a persuasion, and then now you're coming in with the, the captain knows who I am. So my question is, is how much of a twist in that sentence is there? Is there a proverbial knife in that sentence? The captain knows who I am. How, how aggressive are you being? No, I don't want to feel like I'm, you know, calling his job out. But I just want him to know that I'm not just anybody as a first-class passenger. 
I duck no. out of the way of her clout as she swings it around. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and make me a persuade roll? Because I think that's fair. So that's what this is. Yep. Oh my god. We're not going to the cargo hold. <laughs> I get an 81 out of 60. Man, my rolls suck tonight. Yeah. Why, why um, would you do that? <laughs> he stiffens up just he, he adjusts his jacket a little bit and says uh i appreciate your concern of your items as valuable as they are uh, madam but i must insist that you and your compatriots clear this hallway we we do not allow passengers uh into the cargo hold he seems to kind of get get pretty stern damn if you'd like you could push that role I mean, after all, we are, we are, Miss Lane, we are talking about a missing compatriot here. You know, I'm, I guess I'm going to just go have to ask Mr. Taft if he could ask his friend, the captain, to maybe give me a, a tour of the, of the cargo hold. Maybe then I'll be able to, you know, see if my things are okay. If you'd like to roll persuade again, oh my uh, as a push, then go right ahead. <laughs> Spend some luck. I can't spend that much luck. That's eighteen. It's a lot of luck. Yeah, oh my no, god! No, that would be I'm, a lot of luck. I, I understand. We're gonna have to come back later where I can distract somebody, like not to let us in, and Jack can break into the damn thing. <laughs> he uh, he crosses his arms in front of you and says, "I'll be sure to let the deckhands know, the bosun know that you'll be speaking with the captain." Good day. Turn and start walking away. He gave me the proverbial middle finger. It's time to go. Come on, Jack. Okay, so where are you going? What else is around here? Mostly it is the ship mechanical area. I mean, you've gone down below the passenger deck into where the crew helps run the vessel. And so around here is crew quarters, um, different hallways which lead to the engine room and... Then further on to the boilers. It's a wide ship. Keep that in mind, too. There's a lot to this vessel. I know. What do you think, Jack? What do you think, Doctor? Oh, wait. This isn't part of your plan? <laughs> to get kicked out of the, uh, the cargo hold? No. That could have gone better. I'm just saying. Yeah, I could have. <laughs> Apparently, my name isn't known. When. Maybe I should have told him who I was. Oh, wait. He knew. He knew, I think. You could have just offered him money. I mean, <laughs> you know. There, there were many ways to handle it, and that's the way you chose to handle it. Apparently, I handled okay. it. Suck. You chose poorly. I did. I will go back upstairs then to Miss O'Shea in her uh, study room. Uh, so, Miss O'Shea, what specifically are you looking for? I want to look and see if there is a way to cast it on someone else. I want to know like I found a thing that says can project to different forms or different times, like how that works. Like if it's like if they believe or this spell is supposed to be for like different planes and then basically how to do the spell. So yeah, I'll be here a while. Are you going to use the Noctic Manuscript then as uh, as a study guide so to speak? Yes. And then if I think it'll help, I'll try and reference some of this stuff in the other books. Mm. Like, see if there's any kind of cross-reference, like, keywords or anything. If there's not, then... We can do that for flavor text, but the actual role itself, mm -hmm. you can only use one Mythos Tome to assist your role. Oh, then it'll be the Noctic. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine so. So what I'd like you to do then is make a Cthulhu Mythos roll, and even using the Noctic Manuscript, you are going to get a plus 30 to your roll as a study guide. So that would be, well, if I added 30, that would have given me a 50, so 18 out of 50? Um, technically, the way it works, oh. uh, it, we're only, we only use it in the terms of successes, so it can't assist you in like making a hard success. Oh, okay. Kind of all has to come from the user, but that is a flat success, so you are good okay. to go in that regard. Yeah, it, you know, the great part of flipping through this rather grisly manuscript is that it leads you pretty well directly on the path for what you're looking for. 
the intricacies of this spell work between uh, the manuscript itself and then what you already know about it is uh, it can absolutely be cast from afar. So one of the lines here that referenced this spell work was that the sorcerers in Atlantis would use uh, what they called seeing globes to cast this from afar on other people. But that the the requirement was that they had to have, they had to be able to reach and be within the same air. That's the actual text wording. Be within the same air as the person they were attempting to cast it on. Okay. So they either had to be physically in front of them or they had to be able to trans somehow transpose their presence into the room where the person was. Okay. You get that after about an hour of study. Okay. Our uh, ragtag group of uh, cargo jumpers. What uh, what is your next uh, move? I give up. <laughs> Just like that's your turn, you give up. <laughs> I'm not I'm used to getting what I want and that wasn't what I wanted. So, onward and upward. I mean, is there another way into the cargo hold other than through those doors? Is something you would have to uh, search around and find out. If explore some other areas down here to see if there's another way in. If you'd like to search around, you can absolutely do that. I'm looking for more of that residue that was in the room. Kind of keeping my eye open for that smell or seeing it on the pipes or anything. Good idea. Yeah, go ahead and give me a spot hidden. Two under 70. Extreme success. What you determine uh, as you are searching around the crevices of the ship, you've been you know, told to buzz off by one of the uh, uh, higher-ups on the ship. Not the bosun, per se, not the the big, important crewman, but uh, probably one of his underlings. Um, but what you find, Doctor, is fascinating. You find some very light rivulets of this same type of sticky substance that runs along of the handrails down here. And it actually leads you... Uh, on a completely different path, which goes towards the engine room itself. Follow my instincts and the trail and head towards the engine room. Okay. Getting to the engine room doesn't take very long. You know, it's 40 or 50 feet, but you do your best to um, you know, watch the trail very carefully, see which way it goes. Um, it seems to drip, seems to have dripped in a couple spots so it's not a complete and unbroken line anymore um, so it does deviate up and down from some of the handrails here. Jack Miss Lane, look what I found That's interesting, all the way to the engine room, huh? Well, I wonder if the ingredients do in fact need to be burned, then the one place on the ship that you could burn them without raising suspicion would be in one of the furnaces, I would think. Fair. Head on towards the engine room. Alright. You head on towards the engine room. Between the three of you, who has the lowest luck? Oh, probably me. I have 40. Yep. Alright, Miss Lane. You know what time it is. It's time to roll. Good luck roll. Oh, yeah. Extreme success. All right. Very good. So the three of you do not encounter any crewmen on the way to the engine room. Sigmund, are you still in the lead in that regard? I think so. Okay. So you get to the engine room. You can see where a tiny bit of this seems to have rubbed off on one of the, the, uh, the, the actual door handle itself. Inspect the door that it's attached to um, for any other markings or... Where does it, does it lead into the engine room itself? It's hard to say, but it's on the handle here and it's on the handrail immediately opposite the door. Be as if someone walked out of the engine room and then if it, if they left it as a trail, it, this would have been the handrail that they immediately grabbed onto. I think we have found our point of origin, Jack. Does look like it. Try the door handle. It is open. A bit of luck is with us. Just peek your head in before you go in. Good idea. I poke my head in. You poke your head in into a very loud environment. Um, so a ship this size, its engine room is 
very loud. Um, although not directly loud in the area you're at, uh, it is, you know, the ambient noise is, is pretty high. Uh, there's, you can see just through the, some of the movement here, there's obviously men working in the engine room. There are handrails up and down in some of the different engine bays. So you would have to, you'd have to have some time in there to search around. That would require someone being relatively surreptitious. Let's put it that way. Jack, I think this is where you are come in. I'm not a sneaky man. It's fair. Would you like us to run into create a distraction for you? Perhaps me and Miss Lane could um, ask for a tour of the engine room or something like that? <laughs> no, no. Why don't you guys uh, just uh, hello? I stay out of trouble. See what I can do. And with the 10 under 65, I think I do okay. You creep into the engine room. You're transported back into some of the trenches. As you crisscross your way up, down some of the small platforms, searching and then finding this substance that continues on, you pass two or three engineers who pay you no mind as if they don't even see you. And you come to a position near one of the engine portions, and it seems to collect for a moment there. Like you see a bit more of this substance on the rail here until it continues in a straight line towards the boilers beyond. So you continue, uh, you reach the door that goes to the boiler room, which is more like a hatch, given the, given the size and the, the thickness of the door. I would like you to make another stealth roll. Oh, that's not good. The boiler room itself is pretty impressive. The layout is, from what you can see anyway, is a basically side-by-side iron boilers. Mm -hmm. They are mounted. They look like big cylinders, almost like big kegs that are attached to the sides of the ship wall. Uh, and they, there's a row of them, right? So you have an aisle, which you walk down the center of, and then on left and the right hand side, there are these big circular boilers. Uh, and there are people all over the place in here. And so with the, with that role, um, as soon as you step in the door, you are met by engine worker who looks at you with a really strange look on his face. Hey, well, how, how'd you get down here? What are you doing down here? Inspecting. Inspecting? The person inspects our engine is the engineer in the wrong spot, buddy. You know, you don't understand, you, you expect uh, there to be inspections from the uh, port authority. I would like you to make me a fast talk roll. Well done. So 41 under 52, that is uh, a successful fast talk. So, so give it to me. Give me your, uh, give me your two sentence, you know, shtick. But of course I'm not with the port authority. I'm actually with the uh, owners of the company. They want it. They uh, have some interest in re-upping re the insurance and they need to have an inspection done. They figure they might as well do it because they want to have it done by the time they get to London. He looks surprised and he looks around for a second and says, uh, all right, uh, yeah, I, I had no idea Cunyar was expecting inspecting us mid-run. Uh, mid they usually do it before and before we leave for another journey. So have at it, man. You know, I I would rather be uh, back in New York myself, but they want what's done. It's done, right? I don't ask questions when it comes to them. I'll be out of your hair in just a minute. What is Jack doing next? If I can follow this uh, trail? You can. You continue to follow the trail. Uh, it goes to about the fifth boiler in. At that point where it seems to cut in between two boilers, it's a very... Uh, narrow spot and so you'll have to squeeze yourself back between these two massive boilers to, to continue seeing because obviously there's also limited light here in the boiler room as well right squeeze back there you squeeze back there you come to a portion 
of the uh, this uh, small and, and narrow space, the steam around you uh, and the heat of these two boilers, which of course is is near overwhelming at this point because you're in between two of them. Mm-hmm. You see where it looks like a, a a valve that may be used for venting on this boiler is where this greasy material collects and it's collected into probably a pool that is about a half dollar around. It seems to have come, it seems to have spouted out of this breathing valve or whatever this valve is, because it seems to um, speckle the area nearby. There's also a fair amount of the material here, unlike there was uh, in other places. It's kind of everywhere, huh? Well, if you didn't know it any better, it would feel like it had exploded out from here or, you know, there's just too much of it here and around this area. It's not like an actual oil or anything, right? No, and that's what separates it from the rest of the obvious machine oil and except that's in the air is that it is definitely a different substance. Where is that uh, guy I talked to when I got down here? He is back out into the main hallway and then back towards the engine room. I'll see if I can uh, catch up to him. Okay. It's not too terribly difficult. Buddy, sorry to bother you. I have a question about something here. Uh-huh. I'll lead him back there and I say, do you, you know what this is? He takes a look. Uh, it looks like engine oil to me, man. Um, don't know what it's doing here, but uh, but yeah, it, it, this looks like it came from the engine room. From this, uh, not from this uh, over right here. Oh, no, no. It'd just be steam and water. It's just a boiler. Well, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's why I was a little bit concerned that there'd be oil in the in this boiler. I'll uh, I'll get it cleaned up right away, sir. No problem. Uh, has anybody been back here? As opposed to me, other than myself, of course. Uh, no, we did have um, Leonard. He was working. Uh, he works the, the late night shift. Uh, he'd be the man to ask, but... Uh, He's probably just waking up now. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'll head out now. You manage your way back through the actual engine room and pop out and back into the hallway. The whole situation for the for Miss Lane and uh, uh, and Sigmund, the whole uh, time period, anyways, it's about it's probably about five minutes or so that Jack's gone. But he comes back out, stinking like a ship engine. Welcome back, sailor. What did you find? <laughs> so let's head back up. We don't want to hang out down here any longer than we have to. I followed the trail into the boilers. It looks like one of the boilers, a valve, had been leaking and leaking that fluid everywhere. The guy I ran into said it just looked like it was engine fluid, but I mean, engine grease, but I don't think it's engine grease. And it shouldn't be in a boiler if it was. He said something about there's a night shift guy, Leonard. Maybe we could find this guy and talk to him. He might know something. I think that is a very good idea. I think so far, this is our only trail. The whole thing's weird, man. I just don't know. I think we will find him. I hope we will. Where to next? What time is it? Oh, by now, it's um, it's probably been... It's probably close to noon. 12.30. I think it is time for us to have a bite to eat and sit down and reconjoin with, uh, or rejoin with Maeve and see what she has found. I'm going to get cleaned up. Miss Lane, will you join me to the, uh, join me to the dining room? Sounds fantastic. Maybe somebody up there will listen to me. Are you still obsessing about that young lady? But I'm just not used to not getting what I want. It's just, I mean, come on now. I, I imagine it's terrible for you. Yeah, it sounds awful. First world problems. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really say that. You're going to go change and get ready. Uh, you two are going to the dining hall. Uh, who is alerting Miss O'Shea that um, her presence is requested? You know, I could probably do it. I'm already going back to there, to the cabins. 
Associate's door. Okay. Yeah. Um, she's um, she is there uh, working. Yeah, there's a knock on your door just about the time you're uh, wrapping your studies up, Miss O'Shea. Oh, I'll uh, go answer the door. Miss O'Shea, uh, everybody's meeting up for something to eat for lunch. Uh, we did find some stuff in the in the uh, hold, but I'm going to go get cleaned up, and I'm going to go up there if you'd like to join us. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I can take a break. So I will put my things away and then head to the dining hall. Okay. The uh, four of you join back up in the dining hall. Once. Uh, lunch is served. Really, really easy to get a hold of here. The, uh, In fact, the uh, chefs and the stewards are uh, quick to get to Miss Lane's. They, uh, they arrive relatively quickly. That's what I'm saying. So, uh, Maeve, did you find anything in your studies? I did. I actually found out that there is a way to cast that spell on somebody else and not necessarily, well, yeah, not necessarily be next to them. Of course, this is also coming from people from Atlantis. Just want to throw that out there. Georgia? No, that's Atlanta. <laughs> like the lost city. Have you ever been to Atlanta? N- no. No. <laughs> Stay the course, doctor. Shout out to all of our shout out to all of our Georgia listeners. You're right. You <laughs> right. Sh- shout out we to Atlanta for our friend Atlanta folk. Stay safe. How do you cast the spell on someone when you are not near them, but near them? Well, they had these things that they called like a a seeing stone or seeing orb. Something basically that let them see somewhere else. So they could see someone somewhere else. And so that they would either have to be within reach or somehow project their presence into the room. Would that small hole be enough to project a presence into the room? Yes, and it would also be, I think, within reach of him. Well, uh, perhaps we, the person that we found to talk to later, perhaps he will shed more light on it. I still have more studying to do. There's still things I want to learn about this, so... Have you ever actually reached a point where you have studied too much? No, there's always things to learn. And if it could bring us closer to finding Forsyth, I don't know that I should ever give up. That is a very good point. Also, um, books don't talk back? I seem to remember a scorched apartment that would beg to differ. (laughs) Perhaps. Jack, why don't you regale us with your story of the uh, boiler room and engine room? So it was uh, stimulating, but uh, basically, there's I tr- followed the trail of that uh, really substance back to uh, valve be- behind one of the boilers, and it looked like it, it was coming from that valve. Engineer down there didn't think it was anything other than engine grease, but I don't uh, I don't agree. But I'm not exactly a mechanic myself either, so. There is somebody we might be able to talk to about it. Some night engineer named Leonard. Awesome. Do we know where to find this Leonard? Or are we just going to wait for the night shift? Well, I, I assume we could probably talk to somebody and find out who it is, but I don't know who. And Perhaps you can just go back down to the engine room when it's nice and dark and late. Yeah, or you could have uh, Lillian ask around for this guy. She knows people. Hopefully it's successful this time. Uh-huh. Well, I'm, I'm afraid if you were to start asking about uh, people who work in the engine room, I might start looking a little suspicious. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, then, uh, I'll probably be up most of the night studying, so if I remember, I can always wake someone to go look, or we can all stay up. And that's probably as good a plan as any. All right. Well. We will 
pick up next week right there as uh, the investigators prepare a uh, late night excursion to uh, somewhere down below deck, or perhaps they'll get fortuitous and meet up with this mysterious Leonard uh, to try to determine what's really become of their compatriot, Mr. Forsythe. As we uh, continue our journey, look forward to entertaining you again next week with another episode. So uh, thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for being a part of it.